Welcome to my first investment property podcast, where we talk about our experience gained, wisdom learned, and the lessons learned throughout the process of real estate investment and development. I'm Edwin Carrion, the creator of my first investment property podcast. Stay on after the show, and I'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that being said, let's get started. Hey, super excited to be back uh, on the podcast with you guys uh, and excited about our guest today. Uh, Lane is joining us. He's got lots of experience in real estate. Um, he's, there's lots of information about him online and he's a fellow podcaster. So welcome to my first investment property podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, Doug. Aloha, everybody. So do you want to share with us a, 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 you know, a little bit of your background? Like you've been doing this uh, for a while. You're not brand new to the marketplace. So why don't you share with us you know, kind of how you got started and uh, we'll move through your, your history to where you are today and what opportunities you see. Yeah, so I grew up pretty frugal. Uh, my parents taught me to go to school, get a good job. For some reason, I was good at math and science when I was eight or nine. So I became an engineer uh, going through college, started working that job for a couple of years. Again, following that this. I'll call this linear path, right? That a lot of working professionals walk. We just mindless, mindlessly follow what we were told and to buy a house to live in, work it, um, do your 401k. Yeah. And that's what I did. I bought a house to live in, right? Yeah. A couple of years out of college uh, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, the purchase price was $350,000. I did 20% down payment. And uh, because I was never home, I was traveling all over for work. I just started, decided to rent it out. and you know, kind of like how people use their cars in Turtle these days and uh, discovered this thing called cash flow, right? Uh, $2,200 a month was the rents and the mortgage interest taxes was $1,600 a month. And I didn't know anything about rent to value ratios or secondary and tertiary markets, but all I knew as a 20 something year old kid, that was a lot of beer money. That was kind of the start <laughs> of this all off. Yeah. How oh, good for you. So uh, now we're, you're not living in uh, Seattle anymore. No, no. Um, bought another couple properties in Seattle, and then I realized, you know, I became more of a cash flow investor, which is sort of counterintuitive to what a lot of people, you know, they think buy low, so high. Um, again, me as a working professional, never did any of that house flipping stuff, wholesaling. It was just always buy and hold, boring, twenty percent down payments. Um, I was good at saving my money, so that was kind of my highest and best use was just to go to my day job, my engineering job. Sure. So continue to pick up more rentals, started to go out of state, got, got these turnkey rentals. And then eventually in 2015, I had 11 single family homes, uh, five in Atlanta, four in Birmingham, uh, one in Indianapolis and another in Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the next. That was going to be my next question is, is there a specific, uh, you know, a specific market that you, you target? So you're, you're in a number of markets. Um, so what sort of criteria do you set up? Like at a high level, we're not looking for intimate details, uh, you know, because you're investing in a number of different states. So you must have some formula. And I'm sure with your engineering background, um, you're not just guessing at what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is like, we got a cash flow day one, right? And none of this like, ex, um, 
you know, hey, the mortgage is sixteen hundred and the, and the rents are twenty two hundred. Like we need to follow that fifty percent rule where we know fifty percent is going to of our rents are going to go to expenses, repairs, maintenance, vacancy, property management. So to get that, you know, we try and follow this one percent rent to value ratio, where we're looking for the monthly rent to be at least one percent of the purchase price or higher. So a lot of markets such as Seattle, all of California, Hawaii. Boston, DC, New York, you're not going to find that there. You're, those are right. primary markets. Yep. So we look in places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Huntsville, Jacksonville, you know, less sexy places like that where the numbers make sense. Yeah, I was on a, on a business trip in, to St. Louis a year or so ago, and I was surprised at how inexpensive uh, real estate was down there. And to your point, where you can have immediate cash flow um, just by, you know, being the landlord and the owner versus, um, you know, people that are in the rental market. Right. Right. I mean, it, it is ex- cheaper, right. To pick up your property. But I think the main thing is like the, what you, the dollar you pay, you get a lot more rental dollars back. Um, and right. then the other thing we kind of target is, um, you know, red States, not to say anything politically, but you know, <laughs> I want to be places where, you know, you can evict people for not paying. Imagine right. that, right? Imagine, <laughs> imagine that someone doesn't pay you, you can actually ask them to move out. Yeah, can't yeah. pay. Don't pay. You can't stay, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole nother topic. I won't get into the politics. Yeah, either. we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah, right? we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, what advice would you give? Um, give you know the audience listening, saying, "Hey, I'm interested in real estate," um, and you're saying, "So your strategy was twenty percent down, buy and hold." Um, so you know. Did you, you know, anything you've learned over the years, you're saying, hey, I wish I knew this or I wish I had done this differently or are you pretty happy with the the direction that you started out and where you're, where you've gone to? Yeah, I mean, so like starting out, like guys, like figure out what you are, right? Like take, take account of like how much money you have, how much time do you have? And that kind of points you in the right direction, right? Like I work with a lot of higher net worth professionals who makes a lot of six figures at their salary or at very least able to save 20, 30 grand a, a year yep. um, after their expenses, right? So we're not broke guys, right? And therefore, and a lot of our highest and best use where their time is spent at our day jobs, some of us don't like them. Like, I didn't like my job, my engineering job, but you know, when it's that arrangement, you're kind of lined up to be more of a passive investor and just the beginning when you're starting out when your net worth is under a quarter million just buy and hold rentals just like how i did for several years right get your net worth up and then try and get into syndication deals and private placements as your net worth grows so do you raise capital then through syndication to to take on bigger projects yourself yeah so like once i had 11 of these single family home rentals which is great right maybe at a few hundred bucks per property i you know I had maybe three thousand dollars passive cash flow a month. Um, not going to complain, but that's not enough, right? I don't know what American family can survive off three thousand yeah. dollars a month. Yeah, not living in America. Yep. Yeah, sure as heck not in California, right? Or <laughs> these <laughs> these nicer places to live. If you're in Kansas City, cool. You can probably survive off that. But I um, I prefer to be closer to the the mountains and the beach, but. Anyway, if, they, if you're kind of uh, seeing the things the same way, right, you're going to need like 30 of these houses. And 
just to give people a little insight with 11 single family homes, again, I, you know, I always advocate for doing property management, right? Some people are too cheap to do it. Those people will never scale, right? They'll never, they'll never, they'll keep buying themselves a job. But for 11 rentals, I had maybe an eviction or two every year, some kind of big catastrophe that happened every quarter, such as a tree falling on the house or, you know, flood in the basement or some kind of windstorm breaking this or plumbing repair, which is no problem. The property managers take care of those tenants, termites and toilets. But you can imagine with 30 properties, now you're talking with an eviction maybe every other month and some kind of big issue that's happening every other week. And it becomes quickly a job. And you're unable to like effectively move your money around, right? Because one of the biggest sins of most investors is they keep hold on to properties and they never flex their equity. So their equity position goes up, therefore their return on equity goes down. And right. sophisticated investors keep cycling their money either via cash out, refinance, or they sell the asset and buy two or three other assets in its place. So this is where I kind of was searching, right, for that next thing. And I started to join these different high-level masterminds, get around other higher net worth accredited investors. And they all were investing these private placements and syndications as passive OP partners. So what do you think the resistance is when people are starting out to using a property manager? Obviously, you need to pay them. But, you know, I know what I don't want. I don't want a phone call in the middle of the night that a tree came down on the roof because I don't want to get up. Yeah, it's one or two, one or two things, right? The first is like, obviously, like, they can't afford it, right? Because they're buying properties that aren't making sense in the beginning. Okay. Right? This is classic case of somebody with a rental property in Seattle or Hawaii or California. They're not cash aligned. In fact, they're bleeding money every month to hold on to that asset because they're holding, right. they're hoping and praying that appreciation will happen. Now, that said, real estate typically goes up, but I don't gamble with my money. Right. I go after cash flow. And that's the difference between cash flow investors and people who like to gamble with their money. If you want to gamble, go gamble in Las Vegas or Bitcoin or something like that. Uh, this is just something, I mean, real estate is something different. But hey, you do what you want to do. This cash flow investing has worked for me. Yep. But kind of getting back to the numbers, right? If you're not cash flowing, you don't have that rent to value ratio of over 1%, you likely don't have enough margin in there to pay a professional. So you're here, you know unclogging your own toilets, fixing a bunch of random stuff and just spending your time on low dollar, low, low hourly rate type of stuff. This and it, secondly, it's you know, the second reason is ego. Some people are just like they think that they're hot stuff and they think that only they can do it better. And they kind of lose the like the big picture, right? Nope, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's no different in, you know, do you need to have a good lawyer and an accountant? <clears throat> and if you're you know, if you're not a realtor and you have a good realtor in your camp, you can't do everything yourself. Like you said, if you want to scale. Yeah. And, and I, you know, people have different styles. Right. And then when I was first starting out, I was like, cool. Right. You have five paid off rentals. You do all the management on it. You do what you want to do. But I've since then I've surpassed them in terms of net worth. And that's what really counts. Net worth is your score. Right? Don't take any yep. financial advice from people who are not financially free. <laughs> right? Who haven't kind of done this process themselves. There you go. That's my favorite saying. Never ask anyone for advice who hasn't done what you're going to do or is willing to pay the price you're willing to pay. Right. And, and, and that's, I think that goes to show like real estate such a good investment opportunity. You can do things incredibly wrong, like manage your own properties, buy properties that aren't cash flowing day one, and you can still make a lot of money, right? Isn't right. that a spot, a huge sign saying, hey, do this, you know? <laughs> 
Well, and if you're not using a property manager, to your point, you're pretty much limiting the property you can invest in is to areas where you can drive to or easily fly to. And you got a question, you know, do I really want to hop on a plane and, and fly and then rent a car to unclog a toilet? That doesn't make any sense at all. Right. And, and essentially, you're playing an arbitrage and location, right? Most of the folks that I work with are in California or Seattle. They make high dollars at their day jobs, whether they're right. a doctor, dentist, engineer, lawyer. Um, that's cool. If that's your highest and best use. Rock out on that, right? But invest passively on a state where there's less competition. So what are you most excited about in the in the coming years? I mean, we've been through kind of a financial, you know, upside down market over the last, uh, you know, business market over the last year and a bit with COVID. You know, we saw the prime uh, market go back, you know, 208, 209. So there's always going to be stuff that's going to happen. Um, so looking forward, what are you excited about? Um, I don't get excited about anything. I have no emotion. Um, and I don't get freaked out about things because I invest in cash flow. Right? At the end of the day, Cash flow is kind of what keeps you afloat in bad times. And yeah, it doesn't, things don't really appreciate and blow up on you. But it, and it's just, this is just my philosophy, right? I mean, I'm more into capital preservation these days. And if I can just grow my money at a slow pace and get my coupon, then that's what I'm looking for. Now, have you focused on any particular... Um type of uh, real estate investing, like single family homes, multifamily apartments? Yeah, today we focus on apartments. Um, so I operate apartment syndications. And the reason why we do that is, you know, we try and stay in this little um, space below the institutional players buying, you know, 400, 500 unit properties or $20 million and above. We try and stay above where the mom and pop investors are, right? Mom sure. and pop investors are the guys buying single family homes. Maybe they'll go up to a quad or eight flex or 16 flex, but they generally are below a million to $2 million purchase price. So we kind of stay in the sweet spot between you know, a couple million bucks to you know, 10, $20 million. And we kind of kick butt there because it's very low competition. Um, and then we kind of stay in the sector called workforce housing, or at least what I call it. So the BC class. People, hardworking Americans, blue collar, white collar mix, may, um, paying maybe $700 a month to $1,400 a month. You know, it's something that this country needs more of um, as, you know, the population increases, you know, yep. the lower middle class. Yeah, I mean, I live uh, north of California, so I'm in the Vancouver marketplace. And I've got, you know, adult kids out renting till they can buy. And the marketplace is crazy for rental. So you're right. There's a huge demand uh, for rentals and and huge competition. Um, so, yeah. But the market's too, I, I think, based on what you're saying, the market's probably too expensive to come in and cash flow when you're paying $800,000 for a house an hour out of the city. Um, that's a 50-year-old house. It's a, you know, three-bedroom, four-bedroom house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we de generally don't buy anything on the West Coast, period. I know <laughs> Vancouver is a little bit, I mean, it's so close to Portland, right? So it yep. doesn't, it's not even going to work. I've lived there for a couple of years. Yeah. I, I know that, that city pretty well. I mean, you just got to, you know, places like that, like, like Vancouver, Washington, Tacoma, Washington, you would think that they're not like Seattle. Right, but it's so close in proximity. Have even yep. Spokane doesn't really make sense, in my opinion. And I wouldn't want to go there because 
it's not a really a growing economy in my opinion, right? When you compare it with places like Texas or um, like a Huntsville or like a Jacksonville. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I've got some friends and some business associates in the Texas marketplace and we're definitely seeing, or they're seeing a trend of uh, West coasters moving um, and, and building there. I mean, getting out of California and buying, buying land and then building a big home in Texas. Yeah. Something I follow, like, I mean, I don't know what leads the other population growth or job growth, but I do, what I look at is like, where are the rents increasing? Right? Cause that's indicative of both. So, and this is very re- readily available information out there. Right? Yep. Increases per year. You know, that's a great way to kind of see how hot a market is. And I don't really follow like residential home prices because that's why I'm not in that area because it's emotional so it doesn't make sense um, this is why i play in the commercial realm where it's based on that opportunity so. well it makes sense if you can take the emotion out i mean that's the that's often the issue with any sort of investing if you're investing in the stock market and your broker says this is a long this is a long-term play and the way home you're dre- dreaming about being a millionaire so you're thinking of it like a lottery ticket um, so it's not surprising that you know 80 percent of the people that invest that way lose their money Right, right. And we focus mainly on like force appreciation today, which is different from market appreciation. Force appreciation is, you know, we're going in there, we're changing out the flooring, new appliances, new paint job, maybe putting four to $6,000 or rehab into each unit, but being able to bump the rents up 100, 150 bucks. Yeah. That in terms is able to increase the value of the building by millions um, based on, you know, that's how evaluations are, are created in commercial real estate, not by the comp approach, which is residential, but the the value um, calculation, NOI divided by cap rate equals market value. So can you share a little bit about your about your team, not necessarily the people, but the roles that, you know, now that your business is, has been, you know, like you said, we've been around since 209 and you've built, uh, you know, yourself a, an empire kind of in this space. So what does your team look like? How many, how many people and what kind of roles I mean, we, we've kind of like moved to um, our role is kind of asset managers. So we kind of use our brains. And again, we're leveraging third-party property management. Um, okay. But in the commercial world, these guys are like probably five times as more sophisticated as your average residential property manager, even the good ones. Um, they kind of manage the profit or loss statements for us. We're kind of hammering on certain you know, uh, key initiatives every month, maybe the landscaping might be too high, or maybe staff costs are too high, or maybe, you know, we're okay, you know, paying more for this, right? That's our role as asset managers. Um, so we're kind of that, that asset manager is kind of that, that new role that most individual landlords are not um, accustomed to seeing, because that's what they play themselves. Right. But, you know, now that we do this full time, we're able to dedicate all our attention to this and create some pretty good systems around it. So be able we currently have 4,500 rental units um, under management uh, that we own. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of effectively scale with our team. We've got some some bookkeepers, some um, virtual staff, but, um, you know, pretty we run pretty lean. You know, yep. we're not like an well, good institutional for operating firm out there with legions and legions of operations so, staff. 
stuff like so that. So how do you find a good realtor when you go into a market? So, you know, for people who are listening, saying, hey, you know, this sounds great. I'd like to start at some point. I'm assuming that's going to be a, a, a key. It's finding somebody you can work with who understands the business that you're trying to uh, trying to get done. You're talking like 100 unit, 200 unit deals. Is that Kind of I'm talking asking. about for for people that are listening the, to the your podcast episodes saying, hey, you know, I like what Lane's doing. It would be great for me to start with a fourplex. You know, I, I'm thinking they they need to have somebody who understands the numbers until they learn that, um, and and a good realtor. So maybe I'm wrong. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, I mean, so for folks getting started, I would suggest getting a turnkey rental, especially if you're going remote. Um, okay. Some people, I mean, turnkey rentals are like you know a a firm will buy it kind of a beat up property, they'll rehab it freshly um, with new major components such as new plumbing, new electrical, new roof, um, new appliances. So pretty much gut job the house for you. And, and sometimes they even put a tenant in there for you. So it's truly like uh, training wheels for new investors. Okay. Uh, and that's how I would suggest folks who are brand new get started. You pay a little bit extra, but you know you don't have to deal with all this nonsense, right? A lot of these kids yeah. are doing this burst strategy, which I finally think is just a, too much risk and takes a lot of time. And right. especially if you don't know what you do, you're doing, right? Like why jump in on the deep end pool, right? Play on the shallow end first, get a turnkey rental, and then kind of, you know, take on harder tasks, more, more um, equity from that point on. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people just start out and get a broker, but most brokers don't know what they're doing, right? Like you want to find a broker that actually owns rental property that knows a thing or two. I mean, maybe they can help you find a house to live in, but it's a little bit different than buying a rental property, right? Rental grade materials, um, good rental grade locations. I mean, let's face it. We're not buying properties in the best school districts and the prettiest property, right? We're buying things that make sense that give us as investors a good income stream and, has, you know, it's going to track the best tenant profile. Um, that but, makes you know, sense. People, yep. I think if people want to learn more of that turnkey stuff, um, I'd say that my first 12 podcasts, I kind of talked about that. I, I did my podcast back in 2016 and that's what I was kind of still doing at that time. But I would kind of urge people to kind of take a listen to those first 12 podcasts, kind of all about buying remote rental turnkeys. That sounds really, that sounds good. I mean, and it makes sense that the realtor, like you said, has, has experience in turnkey. Um, but it also makes sense. Like you said, take a lower, lower income. And it also teaches you right away leverage of your time. Like you said, if you buy turnkey, you're right away, not you're learning, you're not learning the bad habits of I'm going to go do the rental myself. I'm going to hire the contractors. Um, you're leaving that to somebody else, minimize the risk. Um, and then, uh, you might lo- not make as much money, but that's the way. At least your 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 uh, investment is safe or safer. Right, right. Well, super cool. Uh, well, good for you, and congrats. I mean, it's great to see. I love to see people, uh, regardless of where they are, just to find what what they like to do, find their passion, and and hone it in. And it sounds like you've got it dialed in, uh, dialed in pretty good. And I think one of the things I heard you say a number of times is take the emotion out. Um, you're making business decisions because this is a business, not, you're not gambling, um, and you're not looking for pretty pictures and, and, and homes in great neighborhoods that, you know, um, you're looking for things that make sense. Where's the best place for people to connect with you, Lane, so they can learn more about you, your company, what you're doing. Yeah, they can go to my podcast, simplepassivecashflow.com, on iTunes, Google Play. 
Um, in the beginning, like I said, a lot of it information about turnkey rentals and I was doing it. But as it became more of an accredited investors, I've kind of switched the tune to being more tax, legal, syndications, private placements, internet banking, that type of topics. Um, but a lot of my guides are free on my website, thepassivecashflow.com. People, um, sorry, I'm an engineer, so I got I write not so well and it's a little organized and it's a little bit too much stuff, but maybe you guys will find it useful. I would rather I, I would rather be organized. I'd be a little bit nervous if 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 there weren't some spreadsheets and 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 some stuff that was dialed in that um, that explains the numbers. Yeah, yeah. No, there are some spreadsheets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was there anything, any parting words or words of advice you want to leave with our listeners before we uh, wrap it up? Oh uh, yeah, just get started, guys. I mean, I'm pro- you're probably sitting on the fence, probably wondering, oh, this is a good time to do it, right? But like when you're investing as a cash flow investor, it's always a good time to be buying. And the best time was like last year or the, or the last two weeks that you didn't do anything. Um, we're not timing the market, guys. If you're flipping houses or wholesaling houses or doing all that type of nonsense, then yeah, you gotta you better time the market, right? But if you're like investing for cash flow, what are you waiting for, right? I mean, this is like when I first got started, I was making 20 to 30% on my money with simple turnkey rentals. And, you know, and I looked at my 401k making eight to 10% and I was like, what the heck? And I yeah. think that's kind of what I do, why I do what I do. Cause there's just so much bad information out there and everything is like predicated to keep people in Wall Street products, which are just feed laden. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Great advice. Want to say thanks again. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed our conversation. Make sure you check out Lane's podcast. Make sure you check out his website, um, simplepassivecashflow.com. So thanks for tuning in, listeners. We'll be back to you soon with another episode. I'm all about doing what I want to do and living life to the fullest. Every day, me and my team, we're on a mission to help you achieve all of your dreams. Thank you for listening to my first investment property podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story and you want to be a guest on my show, please visit my website, edwincarrion.com forward slash podcast forward slash apply. And if you like what you heard today, please follow me on my social media channels, Instagram and Facebook at edwincarrion78 or click on the link on my website. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple, Google, Spotify, and you'll find our podcast there. Whatever you listen to your podcast. Once again, I'm Edwin Carrion. Thank you for listening to my first investment property podcast. Until next time.